like oh yeah just yeah. like the From roads seeing all that congestion well yeah and anyways we're getting off topic we should get back to the interview because we could yeah talk about things well forever. we haven't started the interview yet so are we ready then yeah. what do you think i i think so Everybody we got ready? a good pre-chat in okay. everyone's warmed up so stretch yeah, that's right. stretch do it now if you need to they are all warmed up okay are you ready for both right. of us joe I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to try to be ready for both of you, but um, what may have to happen, I was just thinking about this for the audio audience, is mm -hmm. to once in a while, if I don't. The Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast. Inspiration and innovation. We're talking everything you want to know about this medium that we love so much. And we're your hosts, John Middick and Barb Sodiropoulos. Hey there, welcome back to the show. My name is John Middick, and this is the Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here joining us again. And sitting right over there is Barb Sodiropoulos. Hello. Barb, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. It's a special day today. It is a special day, not just because Barb and I are here, but <laughs> I'm trying some dad jokes anyway, <laughs> uh, but because Angie is here. So Barb, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us uh, a little bit about this person. They, they share a, a similar last name. So we, we share a similar, we share the exact same last name. The exact same last name. <laughs> so um, Angie Sodiropoulos is Barb's sister. Angie, how are you today? So glad you're here. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me, John and Barb. Awesome. Person I don't know who just happens to have yes, the same last name Such a coincidence. It's amazing we found each other. I just want everybody to know. I mean, you're hearing the same voice, yes, but these are two different people. <laughs> Angie, you're the older sister, right? Yes. Okay, so By and we'll try 24 to, months. 24 all right, so we'll try months. to make a difference on... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to announce who's talking and when, that kind of thing, so so that you don't get confused if you're listening to the audio. For those of you in member circle watching the video, it shouldn't be any problem at all. So uh, let's talk for just a moment here. I just want to introduce our guest today, Angie Soteropoulos. I'm so excited that you're on the show today. Uh, Angie owns DragonflyBookPress.com, and it's a small handbound book company. She's based in Western Canada on Treaty 6 territory, and she creates these books. They're meant to inspire and encourage creative making. Her books are strong. They're practical and meant to be taken anywhere. She's a big believer in keeping a creative sketchbook as a means of collecting ideas, honing your skills, and relaxing no matter your age or medium. So that's exciting. And of course, not something I know a whole lot about, so I'm excited to talk about this quite a bit. I know Barb knows a lot more about it, um, but that just fascinates me that you're in this particular area and just printmaking in general and the materials that you use to create these books. I think that, guys, if you are unfamiliar with this entire process, you're in for a real treat today. Starting out, though, Angie, uh, this is mm -hmm. a color pencil podcast, so I do want to ask you just a little bit about your uh, experience with colored pencil and how you know what pencils you use and how long you've been using this medium. Uh, ooh, how long have I been using the medium? Well, it's just my way of trying to figure does out. Does childhood age. count? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just 
Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I was going to say it's, I mean, it's similar to Barb. Like when we grew up, they were all called pencil crayons, right? And then probably, gosh, I don't know. You know, I feel like for me, Stadler was a brand that I feel like was the first one I ever saw that was sort of outside of the like kid pencil crayon land and probably then started calling them colored pencils. I don't know. Uh, but Faber-Castell is the one that I think has really sort of elevated it. I know the Caran d'Ache pencils are are like to die for in the colored pencil world. But uh, I have a few Caran d'Ache pencils. I usually, I, which ones are the ones that I use the most? I use the water activated uh, ones that they have. Do you remember the oh, name right Oh, is it right the now? Museum no. Aquarelle? Aquarelle? Yes. Yeah, yeah those Trevor ones. Because I find those ones. They have a higher uh, pigment load, so they're nice to use on toned papers. Yeah. Um, but if I'm using just straight up colored pencils, usually it's Faber-Castell and the Polychromos, Polychromos. Um, okay. are, are my favorite ones. And so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like those came into my life maybe like 10, 15 years ago or something. But, you know, it's I think it's something. They were like the grown-up artist supply when we were children, right? Ah, so, interesting. So they've yeah. sort of, I feel like they've floated in and out of of our lives for a while now. So yeah, it's it's a very accessible medium. So yeah, and I, do, I use, so I should explain how I use them. So uh, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite medium to work with is watercolor and ink uh, and fine liners or fountain pen. But then I usually like using colored pencil over top of that to add either textural elements that you can pick up from the paper or to hatch or to add in just another layer of shading, um, especially if I'm not in studio to just make things go faster um, as far as like fit, getting to a finished state. Um, yeah, so so that's sort of my my experience with colored pencils. Very interesting. Okay. Very cool. I love that. Yeah. And what's interesting too, and, and maybe this is a, a weird thing to say, but as a, as a family, we, we really just uh, can't stick to one thing. I feel like we're always creatively no. doing so many different things. I mean, one thing that, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about more with Angie is like, she doesn't just make books by hand. She doesn't just, you know, have these urban sketching watercolor drawings she does like there's all these i i i don't know it, it's interesting because and i'm I'm excited to sort of get into this a little bit more because i think as a guest you're definitely very different than what's what we've typically had on the podcast like usually people right. are very um you know in one lane and it's always and it's interesting to me too and of course i'm extremely biased <laughs> it's interesting to me too to talk to somebody who kind of like creatively has their hands in a lot of different things and you know speaking on the colored pencil work for example like your uh society of curious creatures collection which is kind of another separate side business i mean you use a lot of the watercolor and colored pencil in that work in the um sort of paper elements of of those things so in terms of using colored pencil in that aspect of your work what what continues like is it the just that you can add in the detail like are you enjoying using it as a mixed medium or would you ever want to use just the watercolor exclusively or what are, what are you finding that the color pencil brings to the artwork that maybe just the watercolor isn't a lot of it i think is mood for me quite honestly i mean i do it and it depends on 
I guess, what the intent is, right? Like when I'm doing uh, the mixed media versions where I use the watercolor and colored pencil together, uh, for example, with uh, the Curious Creatures stuff I do, I like that it has texture because I, I feel like it. Uh, so the Curious Creatures, just to give a little background on that, is like a group of um, weird creatures that are sort of half make-believe, half part of our world. And uh, there's a, a world of explorers that you're sort of looking into these creatures with. So it's this complicated little thing where uh, I make little books with, that are from the perspective of an explorer who is uh, studying one of these creatures. And so there's like little drawings and it's very much travel notebook or field journal style kind of a thing. So with that, I feel like the colored pencil adds in uh, more texture. Uh, because I, I, I do ink outlines and stuff, I tend to use a, a, a smoother paper, not a, as textured of a paper. So the colored pencil will add texture back in that the smooth paper doesn't have. And I feel like that sort of ties in with nature because nature for me is very textural. Um, but, uh, in general, like I'll, I will just use, um, watercolor. I do, um, uh, commissions for people that are either houses or businesses or family homes and stuff like that. And uh, those are usually straight up watercolor with ink details. I rarely use colored pencil on those. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's partly, I, I mean, I think that's why I'm not, I, it, it's hard for me to choose what I am because I do like working in a lot of different mediums. So mixed media is probably the best catch-all category for it. Um, but yes, you know, sometimes it's it's just like, oh, I feel like this should have more texture and I want to do that instead of, you know, with, because watercolor is time-consuming. You have to let the layers dry. I mean, even if you're using a fan to sort of speed the process up, sometimes you, you can't use the fan because there's this in-between point you have to catch where the paper isn't wet but half dry like people who do watercolor they'll understand there's like this weird in-between point where you know that's exactly the point when you add in more color or when you add in texture or where you pull color out to get certain effects so um sometimes it's just to avoid the whole watercolor process and 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 have fun pencils because it's quicker and you know it, it, it just brings something else it's like the only time anyone has said color pencil is quicker i think <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Having listened to your podcast and it's like, yes, it, it's I mean, I don't work in the way some of the like true colored pencil artists work because I mean, it's beautiful. The work that the hyper realists, I mean, even John, your work is beautiful, too. Right. Like, oh, thank you. but I, I definitely don't. I don't work in that way. So I don't spend that much time. But, you know, I think it, I, I wondered about. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think it's I think it's interesting, though, to hear. And, and, you know, another reason why I thought it was good that we have you on the podcast is that we tend to talk to a lot of people that have the same sort of um, application of colored pencil or they use it in the same type mm -hmm. of way. And the thing about this medium is that it does have this diversity to it in that, you know, it yeah. pairs so well with other mediums and. Yeah. You know, even, you know, you talking a little bit more in depth about using watercolor. I mean, there are people and certainly even for myself that use like wet mediums underneath colored pencil and having that knowledge, even of those specific things, you know, 
you can use colored pencil to go back in and do some really amazing detailed things to really enrich and bring your drawing to life. But, you know, you need to understand how those other mediums work and, and kind of um, play with it, too, just to, to understand um, what your result's going to be in the end, too, and, and to be able to achieve certain results. So I think it's interesting to always talk to people, too, who are using it maybe in more of an illustrative way or as like a finishing medium or something like that, mm -hmm. because that's not necessarily the typical usage, right, of people who are kind of purists and using it solely as the only medium on the paper. Yeah, and if you were going to enter a competition, you know, you sort of have to follow, a, a, you know, it doesn't matter colored pencil or not, like a lot of competitions are, this is solely watercolor. And like, for example, watercolor, you save your whites where you don't go back in and add white. That's like a full yeah. pong. Well, and you can't you really do, do that, that right? with colored pencil so, either. So, yeah. Yeah. So same thing, right? Like it's... uh uh, you can enjoy using colored pencils and have fun with them, but you don't necessarily have to work exclusively only with them. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I did want to ask one small follow-up to that, though. When you're talking about using these Caran d'Ache Museum Aquarel pencils, so watercolor mm -hmm. colored pencils mm -hmm. and watercolor as a yeah. medium, uh, what would be – so you're activating the watercolor colored pencil with yeah. water, and so sometimes – are you ever, you talked about having textural elements in there with colored pencil. Are you ever choosing one over the, over the other uh, for some specific reason? Or like, I've heard people talk about the fact that, okay, I don't like using watercolor colored pencils because when I put these watercolor pencils down, then I'm activating it. And it seems like double the work. So I, I don't know if you can speak to that or what the differences would be in using just yeah. watercolor or... Yeah. Usually when I use the watercolor pencils, I will use them either solely on their own and I won't water activate them at all. Okay. Or I'll only take like I tend to like using them on pastel papers or really textural papers. Mm -hmm. So when I lay that down, then I'll maybe activate just like a little small part of it. But it's yeah. nice to have the paper texture come through and the colored pencil um maybe soften to an edge or something mm -hmm. or if it's like a sky to have parts that are more swirly or something right um but uh i also use like the ink tents from derwent those ones if i if i think i'm going to go over top of it with another layer i'll use those because once they dry they're done yeah. they don't reactivate and right. then i'll layer other color watercolor on top of it so I, i'll use it maybe in that order um, or, and, and if I'm going to go to that much trouble at that point, I, I would just use watercolor and layer my watercolor. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, cause it's meant to be layered. It's, uh, I heard somebody say something interesting the other day, which really makes sense. And I don't know why I never thought of it, but it's called watercolor. So really you're working with water and you add color to water. So when you're working with the medium, it's all about water control. Like when you think about it, the biggest thing about watercolor mm, is water control. Yeah, yeah. So if you're layering with watercolor or colored pencil stuff, for example, the water activated stuff, you're, you, if you're having problems with it all blending together, you got to work on your water control, right? Because mm, mm -hmm. that's what's reactivating. You're using too much water and reactivating your lower layers. Very interesting. So it's the same 
same thing. But it's like, yeah, of course, it's called watercolor. Why wouldn't yeah. you think about the, that? The element that's but, notoriously hard to control. It's like control yeah, exactly. the water. Yeah. But, then, but that is a yeah. little nuance there that gives yeah. me yeah. Uh, a different insight on that. That's but it does make it. sense. Like when you think yeah. about it, it's like, yeah, you're really controlling how much water you use with the pigment at any given time to to create a painting, yeah. right? So. I think it's the same with the water activated colored pencils. Yeah, I would say it is. If it's if you're using too much water, yeah. it's like dry that brush, suck some of the water out of the brush, and then try layering drier on top, mm-hmm. so you're not, so you're getting the benefits of having done all that work already. Yeah, it's definitely. so hard. All that is so. We made it sound easy in some ways, but that is so difficult. No, that's that's one of the. It's not. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not. Watercolors yeah. is so, such a difficult medium. Yeah, it really is. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your book making. So um, what drew mm-hmm. you to, I mean, obviously, I know the answers to all these questions, but the people, don't the, listeners, that, the listeners don't. I know. <laughs> it's hilarious. Maybe you don't know the answers. Right. You know, I maybe know. I don't. Maybe I just think I know the answers. <laughs> That's right. You're right. That's a good outtake. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so let's talk a little bit about what drew you to bookmaking. Like, you know, obviously you can go to the store and buy sketchbooks. So what what motivated you to to make them yourself and to do it by hand? So uh, I started urban sketching, I want to say around 2015, 2016 sometime. Um, and for those who don't know, urban sketching is basically going out in your city or town and drawing in situ as opposed to taking a photo and then going back and drawing it in your studio or at home. Um, and, you know, I started experimenting with different things and I basically landed on that I really like watercolor and I wanted to use more watercolor papers. So uh, watercolor, there's like any medium, there's a million and one papers you can get for it. But the professional grade papers and the papers that are super nice made of cotton you don't really find them in sketchbooks, right? Like you can find them sometimes, like now they're starting to find more in like coil bound books, um, but you can only really get them in blocks. And with a block, you can only work on whatever page you're on, then you got to tear the page out. So I was looking to find a way to be able to take these professional quality watercolor papers out with me into the field in a bound way so that I did, one didn't lose them. Two, I could sort of keep them in a sequential order, or at least I could jump around in the book if I wanted to. Like I could start on one page and then if I don't like it, I could flip, like abandon it, flip and just start again. Right. Um, And they didn't really exist. So I started looking for people who might teach uh, at uh, an accessible way to make a bound book. Right. And I found a woman online who had an online course um and it was specifically for binding your own sketch i I couldn't believe that i happened upon this but it was specific she was a book binder but she um had a small class on how to bind your own sketchbooks out of like paper whatever paper you want and she was doing it out of heavier weight papers um so i took it and made my first book through her and then i started making books for other people because they're like well where'd you get that book and how did you you know, where did you find this? It's got a different cover kind of a thing, right? So I started making them for friends. I started making them for family. And uh, and then it sort of grew out of that. Um, 
COVID came along um, and my background is in theater, live theater. I work as a painter and props person. So everything was on hold. I had no career at that point. Um, uh, and it just gave me the opportunity to start learning more about bookmaking because I had wanted to, but there was never any time. Um, so I started taking some training during COVID through the Canadian Bookbinders Guild. And that sort of led to me thinking, you know what, I really want to spend more time, I think, making books and doing book stuff. So I'm like, let's do it. Like, what have I got to lose? Perfect. Uh, so I started, I started the company and I started, yeah, doing sort of online markets at the time during COVID. And now I'm doing them locally and selling them online to people and custom making books for people, which is one of my favorite things to do. I like it when people have ideas about what they want to create and they come to me and I make them stuff. So yeah, that, that in a nutshell. <laughs> what year was it you started um, the Dragonfly Book Press then? Oh, it's, it's, it's a old two years old now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But like that's where I've you're making... doing that selling out of, that's where you're yeah. filling. Yeah. It really more. came out of COVID yeah. when I started actually selling them to people. Before that, I was just making them for friends and family and people would break, like they buy the supplies and I would make the stuff for them, uh, make the books for them and gotcha. then um, hand them off. Right. But it's, um, I mean, yeah, it's. It, it's it's brand new, shiny and new, <laughs> newish. I mean, you know, newish. I, and I yeah. I'm very lucky to have many of many of your books. Um, I do have. I'm for people watching the video version. This is an, an early prototype right here. But what was great about it is, um, I got Angie to make this book for me using Fabriano Artistico hot press watercolor paper, oh, which wow. is awesome because that is that is my paper of choice. But um. For, for mixed media colored pencil stuff. And it was nice to just get this, you know, in, in a sketchbook form, get something that, you know, had the, had the paper in it and allowed me to be able to do, you know, the drawings and the, and, and little paintings and that sort of thing using the paper that I actually like using. Cause I think, you know, when you're talking about being able to practice, um, you know, one of the things for a lot of colored pencil artists, for example, is I think, you know, the idea of doing these large pieces is really overwhelming. And, you know, if you want to be able to practice, you should practice on the paper you intend to use, right? Because Absolute. so many different yes. papers have different results or, you know, they're just different to work with. You have to adjust the techniques that you're using when you're using them. And so it's hard to practice, yep. you know, I, I mean, you could always cut your paper down, obviously. But like you said, if you want it in a nice sketchbook bound way, you want to be able to do, you know, test drawings or swatches or whatever. Like, that's one of the things I really loved about this was just being able to, you know, do tiny drawings, like smaller scale drawings and work on techniques or try different things and be able to do it on the paper that I actually like using and not just have this collection of shuffled papers everywhere. Like having it in a nice bound sketchbook was really awesome. And I was like, I mean, I obviously family, so... Like, I'm going to take advantage of this. But uh, what was interesting, too, is, I mean, you know, Angie obviously uses different papers. And so she even turned me on to some, you know, slightly different watercolor papers that I probably never would have tried before. But, you know, you can get like these tiny little, you know, what size is this, Angie? I don't know. It's like five by five. It's like the, yeah, five by five or five by six. It's the medium yeah. size. 
It's the most popular size that people buy because it's easy to take with you places. And I, I purposely like, if you're looking for a book that has like 60 to a hundred pages, um, but that'll, I would have to make that custom for you because I want people to pick them up and take them with them places. So I purposely make them lighter. Um, the, there, I make even lighter ones that are, um, have thinner covers that aren't as hard. Um, so that you can put them, like if you carry a lot of stuff with you normally, that make them even lighter to travel around. But yeah, I mean, I should also say that like the type of sketchbooks I make and the focus is to make them with papers that you can't find bound. So I make them out of Archer's paper. I make them out of Saunders and Waterford. I'll do them out of Fabriano, although Fabriano has now a whole line of coil books that they've come out with, but I don't think they're quite... The I same haven't tried them, so I or, can't comment, but I, I like the Fabriano Artistico is all cotton. I don't know that the like the twelve sixty four line. I don't know that that's completely cotton. I think that's that might be a pulp cotton. Mix. Yeah, that one is not. If completely anything, cotton. yeah, yeah, they have a watercolor version of the twelve sixty four. Oh, but well, I don't maybe think it's, that one is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't in Canada anyway. I don't know mm -hmm. if if they have them in the U.S. They're the like purple covered I mean, ones. They, I may have they one. probably always have it. Yeah. In the, like it's more. Do we have it here? <laughs> I just assume <laughs> that it's available there. I'm gonna grab mine. You guys keep talking. Okay. I'm gonna grab yeah, mine. Yeah. I was just yeah, looking at it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the intent is to make them out of books that are that are paper that you can't find because I, I can't compete with a machine. That binds things well, right production so, level wise and yeah but yeah. i mean i think what you're doing is definitely more of a you know obviously a custom for for someone who is looking for something that isn't available in the store right like you know there's yeah. probably people that want these sort of things you know even like myself i mean i don't necessarily have a desire to to do any book binding or learn that skill because you know I got a, a whole other pile of skills I'm already working on, so I don't necessarily want to get into. Oh, is that it? That's there, it. Well, there's the yeah. one I have. Um, yeah. So that is, is that a, the Bristol? It's a Bristol vellum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is that the so, same as what you're talking about, or is there? It's yeah. In that line, like yeah. that one that you have is uh, uh isn't a coil bound. It's like a tearaway sheet right, one, but they right. do have like larger. Um, coil bound watercolor ones um but they i have, have never checked 64 yeah i've um, never checked on it because mm -hmm. it's a heavier weight paper um that yeah and i like the artistico like the fabriano artistico yeah, is quite yeah. lovely that's, so that's i one. i haven't just i haven't wanted to downgrade shall i yeah, say myself yeah. <laughs> that is so fascinating to me though that 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 makes it just so uh, compelling to get a custom paper like that, like Arches or Fabriano or Artistico mm -hmm. in a sketchbook type of thing. Could you do like, um, like you could customize that even more and maybe do, I don't know, like a, a sanded paper in there or a... I actually asked Barb about the pastel mat. I'm like, hey, yeah. so what about this pastel mat yeah. paper? Like... Is it something like, would you want it? I haven't done one yet, but I was curious about getting some paper. Like right now, all I've seen it here is in uh, pad yeah. form, mm -hmm. like the tearaway you sheet. Can right, the right. So sheets. Be, can you get the Yeah, sheets? but they're always like sold out. Well, we can talk about it later because that'll probably be boring for people here. <laughs> oh, but. you're. 
you're you're okay yeah you're, like uh, the full the 22 by 30 sheets or whatever you can yeah. you can get them but um i i find when i go to buy them they're always like sold out but uh yeah and ideally for me binding books i would want the big sheets because then it's easier for me to cut them down to whatever size uh somebody wants to make the thing uh people don't necessarily realize is important with paper is paper has a grain and when I say grain, it's kind of like fabric, how you have your warp and your weft. So with paper, if you, and you can do it with any piece of paper you have, if you fold it one direction, it'll fold much easier. Like if you don't crisp fold it, but you sort of just lightly fold it and then you fold it the other direction, one direction will, will feel like there's more tension and one will feel like it's easier to fold. The direction that it's easier to fold is the direction all the fibers are running in. So um, that's the direction you want to have along your spine because it means it won't crack. It uh, makes for a more flexible book. So uh, and if you get pages wet, it'll curl. It won't curl like it won't potato chip the wrong way. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I'm wetting the sheets with different adhesives to stick them together, they need to curl in a certain direction. Otherwise, it's going to be fighting against itself. So everything has to align, like the cover paper has to have the grain running the same way as the interior paper as the board, because boards have grain as well. Um, so and that just makes it all strong and aligned in the same direction. So they're not fighting each other. And you don't get these books that try and basically try and pull themselves apart mm. as even the moisture in the air increases yeah. and decreases over time. So right? that's maybe a good uh, transition into my next question is what kind of challenges do you have with bookmaking? I know, you know, you and I have certainly talked about how there are certain papers that aren't really ideal for making um, books with. I mean, the the paper green thing, I remember when you and I originally had that conversation that like kind of blew my mind at the time because I, I really just had no idea that paper yeah. had that quality to it or yeah, just even the comparison of it to fabric and that sort of thing. So you, so yeah. what, what are, what do you find is like some of the challenges, you know, for anyone who's potentially interested in doing this, like what are sort of the challenges that you have to kind of be mindful of? Well, you know, if you have, if you're just making books out of the pads, you'll be limited in, uh, what size you'll be able to make obviously for the pad but you'll also be limited if you want to make it be bound um because you once you start getting it wet you have issues now that being said you can bind books where you don't use a lot of adhesives at all like a uh, coptic stitch is a pretty um popular here's my coptic stitch one so these ones i would use uh glues on the covers look i know where my camera is <laughs> I would use glues for these, like to build the boards. But then when I put it all together, I don't use any adhesives on the pages, right? So you could, if you were limited by just pads of paper, do this style of binding that uses uh, little glue, so minimal wetness to do it. But um, like uh, some papers are also softer and they um, they get streaks or they mar easy, like Stonehenge. The Stonehenge Aqua Black Paper, um, nice soft paper, but it uh, folding it sometimes it cracks, like it wants to snap a little bit more when you fold it in certain directions. If that makes sense, hmm. and I found I have to be careful what I use uh, to fold the pages because usually you'll use a tool like a, a bone folder or a Teflon folder. I only use a Teflon folder on that paper. Otherwise, you can see where I've dragged my tool across the pages and it kind of 
it like it's not really that noticeable it's not gonna hurt you drawing in it but from a presentation point of view when you give someone a new book you don't want to look like you've scratched it up on the inside right so that one's the black paper is a bit tricky to work with that way um but stonehenge like all their the fawn and the grays i've made lovely tricolored um, paper books with those where you have like three shades of toned paper in one bound book like that's people loved those those were super did fun. you i can't remember um did you ever follow through with the the ones with the colored papers in them or did you only ever do that one as a test uh no i because that's really cool for people who like working on um toned or colored um, paper surfaces that's yeah. another thing that i thought was really cool that angie was doing was like these custom books that had different colors of paper in that's them because yeah there you go yeah. there it is oh wow wow yeah. look at so that. this one's the meeting uh, so i think is how you say it My the cancer yeah. one no yeah. one knows how to say I, that I've, word I've, <laughs> I've heard it like seven or eight I different know. ways <laughs> I know I've heard and it a few different ways. Their, 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 me, the, me what they I don't. I, is, if somebody, somebody French yeah. their pronunciation's correct. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever. Let me grab the other one close by that I have. You know what I think is fascinating about this bar okay. while she's grabbing that. This has been my biggest complaint what? with sketchbooks: is the paper is so awful. Yeah. You know, even the mixed media ones. They say they're mixed media. As soon as you touch any kind of liquid on them, they just warp like crazy. Yeah, it's true. Yes. So here's the. Oh, yeah, I love here's that this one. one. Oh, look at that! This Some is good artwork. The rainbow, the rainbow yeah. one. People, people That's watching the neat. video version are getting an extra yeah. treat right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one is. Um, I think this one's cans. It, it is cansin, but I'm trying to remember which. Is it the color touch paper? Can... No, it's not color touch. What's it called? Color line. Color line. Well, they have here. a Mitant's touch paper. Oh, no, uh, these are sort of like a sanded paper, that... if that's the one you're thinking of. No, so this is still the just the regular Mitantes, whatever it is. This one's just, I found a whole bunch of large sheets that I cut down. And then this is like cheap paper. This is like cardstock from like a staple. It is what I bound this one in, right? But that book, I think the intent that it, the reason I did this one is so I could do little swatches to see how like my metallics or different things would show up on different colored surfaces. I like. I've actually attempted. I bound it, but I haven't. One done day it. I'm, I'm mm. going to get you to do this for sure. me, just because. But I, I actually at one point I tried to do this myself. This was before Angie was into book binding. After I just said I had no desire to book bind, but anyway. I have a sister that doesn't know, so I don't need to learn this. <laughs> but anyway, right. um, I had taken all the papers that I typically liked using. So all the, you know, the Strathmore toned papers, the Fabriano paper, um, some of the other mixed media papers. And I had just done like a couple sheets of all of them for the same reason. I wanted a book that I could just do test swatches in. And mine was terrible. Mm -hmm. It's probably already falling apart. So one day I'm going to enlist you to to make one for me. But I really loved, um, you know, the idea, like, especially when you did those colored um, versions with the toned papers and that sort of thing, just to have, you know, something that even functions as like a customized, like swatching book. You know what I mean? Because for, you know, for mm -hmm. the artists out there that are working in, you know, not just the same paper all the time or using toned papers or maybe using multiple different types of surfaces, like 
how cool is it to be able to have like a customized book like that that has just the sheets in there and again you know it's a little i mean maybe maybe this is just me i like having like nice little books to have things in instead of like sheets of things that you're like you know you're shuffling through trying to well where's that scrap piece of paper that i you know had that swatch on or whatever and it's easier to do those that's what i do yeah well right what i do but then it's easier to have that direct looking at a big stack over here exactly right like a hot mess of papers (laughs) yeah yeah it is yeah (laughs) you know i do buy books and i still don't do that it's funny that you say that because i still haven't done that for myself i do exactly (laughs) what john does i just have random little pieces of paper that i've got a ziploc bag full of just like like stacks of paper but ideally like you know i'd love to anyways we'll talk about that later (laughs) but the thing that's great i mean you know and obviously this is something that's you know we'll talk about this a little bit more now is like what's unique in terms of the books that you're offering like i don't know that i know of a lot of people that are doing this you know custom thing and you know one of the Mm -hmm. things we haven't even talked about yet are these beautiful japanese papers that you use on the covers of you know the books here i'm showing some of them on screen but you know, like these limited That's edition so cool. patterns. And at one right. point I was like, okay, I only have so much room for sketchbooks because I was getting a little out of hand and wanting them all. <laughs> she always sends me pictures of the papers that she buys. And like, oh, I want this one. <laughs> like, uh, well, I mean, imagine me going through the catalog, trying to decide which ones I'm going to get and not be like, Usually I, I've been doing this thing now where I just pick all the ones that I like and then I come back and I whittle them down to mm. like, because I can't afford them on the kit. You got to just pick 10, just pick 10. <laughs> so you got to figure out. The one thing I guess I was wondering about is, are you, were you drawn to this mostly because just the experience of making things? I mean, are you kind of a hands-on kind of person anyway? Do you like just making things yeah. i mean with stage sets you're yeah you're, you're the creative yeah person there yeah. so i guess that's something that appealed to you about it is it this tactile kind of thing that you like about yeah. it or is it yeah even like if i had to choose a job it would not be a job where i sat in front of a screen all day and yeah. then all my work is like it would make for a much tidier workspace if i if I did, right? Because all my work would happen in a machine and then I would turn it off and everything would be clean. But yeah, I, I get more enjoyment from like, there's a pile of raw materials, you turn it into something and, you know, whether you get it all done in one day or there's steps yeah. in between, I enjoy the the hands-on nature. Like whatever I do or choose to do for the rest of my life, it's going to be something hands-on because I get more enjoyment and fulfillment out of that than I do just, you know, filling in a spreadsheet or, (laughs) you know, moving files from here to there. Or, I mean, even graphic design, like if there was, if I solely did graphic design and didn't get the output where I could then do something with the thing I've been doing on screen, I I wouldn't enjoy it as much, right? right. Like it's, uh, I, I figured that out early on in my life, which I'm very grateful for because it's helped me pick and choose what I want to do. Yeah. Um, uh, which is good. And I think a lot of people don't know that. Right. Yeah, and right. It, it it seems weird. I work with students um, at the university here um, in the theater program. And that's one of the things that like if I see them struggling, it's like, well, what do you enjoy? Right. Like, what do you enjoy doing in life? Not even in theater, right. just in life. Right. Because if you can figure that out, it yep. can help you make 
choices down the line with with anything absolutely yeah well and you know i gotta say like just as a a little aside here you know one of the things that's been really great uh growing up and having you know a sister that is also very creative and is you know very much in tune with with her creativity and what she likes doing you know we as kids were always um her parents worked a lot so we you know we really just had each other a lot of the time and so the the level of creativity between, you know, we touched on this a little bit earlier in terms of, you know, we both had very uh, in-depth, active imaginations in terms of like creating little worlds if we were like playing make-believe. And uh, I don't know if anyone remembers the Inspector Gadget cartoons. I don't think that was just Canada. Oh, yeah. Anyways, uh, Penny no, had I like a little it. computer book. And I remember we sat there, we took like a bunch of copy paper from my dad's printer and we made computer books for ourselves. And like, made little slots for a key card to go in and like yeah. just these like this has been like our childhood right are these creative projects that was your earliest book binding adventure i think <laughs> somebody asked me the other day what the first book i bound was and i like i found one of the more proper books but i was actually thinking about yeah. that and you had the other piece of the information as you always yeah. do i'm like i couldn't remember why we made yeah. them but that's why we and made I'm pretty them. sure I still <laughs> have mine somewhere. But anyways, it's it's just That's funny hilarious. because, you know, this is something that was always so second nature to us. And, you know, even Angie's, yeah. you know, path into theater was really interesting because our parents used to own um, a hotel in the, in the small summer village that we were living in. And so the bar was always closed on Sundays. And so we would go in there and entertain ourselves and put on little plays for the waitresses on their breaks <laughs> and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, when we ended up moving, um, uh, when we moved away and moved, you know, we in the basement, we had like a little area that we set up as a stage and, you know, Angie would uh, make little puffs. Like we did this whole parody of like uh, one of the Chipmunks songs, the E.T. and Me one. And Angie had this whole, there's one part where like a plant comes back to life. And so Angie had rigged up this whole Thing with like a fern with fishing line so off stage she could pull the thing and it would like pretend to grow like so you know we just uh all still valid techniques sure. for theater i might add sure. <laughs> but like even you know we were very into like my little pony we weren't barbie girls which is you know ironic i know my name whatever right. Uh, but yeah, like just even like building little homes and little sets for them like we've always had this this just in-depth creativity to what we were doing and thankfully our parents were always just really supportive like we always had a dedicated space to do our artwork and that sort of thing and you know it's it's really interesting being able to have that I mean I wish everyone was as lucky who's an artist to have like a sibling who is also creative yeah I was gonna say wonder what that'd be like it's actually really good I come from 10 you know there's 10 uh, of us in the family and and I, I was the only one interested in creating a yeah, but it's funny. Well, it's interesting kind of, because, you know, you you get this like we we talk so much and are able to creatively bounce ideas off each other. And if, you know, one of us is struggling with something, there's always that opportunity to kind of be like, well, what do you think about this? Or we have different yeah, skills nice. to be able to help each other out, like with different areas of our, our businesses, too. Angie has. um yeah. Has this changed? Like, okay, so for the last couple of years, you've been doing this for other people. Yeah. When you first took that course and you were interested in bookbinding, yeah. um, 
that was probably a different kind of excitement and feeling doing it. Mm -hmm. Has it changed yeah. any now that, you know, you got orders coming in and I've got to do this, that kind of thing? Um, well, it gets a little tricky trying to balance things I plan for. Like right now, I've been working the last couple of months to prepare for market season, which to me, like for me, book stuff really sells well in the fall and Christmas season because that's when you're thinking about gifts and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I do tend to have a lot of people that come back to me later in the year for custom books or birthday gifts and, and different things like that. But this is sort of the busiest sort of uh time of year as far as letting people know what I do um mm -hmm. and it does change a little because you know I have books that I need to be making so that I can take with me to places to sell and then orders will come in and so I have to sort of put that on hold because I prioritize all the custom books first right to get them sort of done and and I take my time with them to make sure that they're done nicely because I want them to be good and I want people to enjoy them and right. they're beautiful and I get a lot of joy out of it, so I don't want somebody else to not get joy out of using them. Um, but, you know, I don't think I, I also have the option to limit how much like I can just say I'm not taking any more custom orders yeah. for a while. Right. Yeah. And I probably will do that once we get into probably November. I'll be like, yes, you can put in a custom order, but you won't get it until January or mm -hmm. February. Right. Mm -hmm. Just because I have too many other things on the go and there's not enough that makes time. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's that, but you know, I'm the beauty of it is that I'm I'm still learning to make new books, so I don't make just one like the type of books Barb has or or the style that I usually make for people who are in custom books. But then I make all different kinds of other books, so I get to I I sort of switch it up. I go through themes of stuff like the Coptic ones are the ones that I'm doing a lot of now. But then, you know, I'll do a whole series of toned journals mm. and then I'll do accordion or mm -hmm. concertina style journals. And um, I'm also another visual. I like this is like it's a I call it a radial book, but basically oh. the whole thing, all the pages spin 360 degrees. Right. And so I've got these pentagon kind of shape. What kind yeah, of? they're like a hexagon, hexagon. shape. So guys, if you're not able to see this yeah. in the video, yeah, this is this is the most fascinating thing. It looks like a snake. Do you have pictures um, of those yeah. on your website? All these little link. Okay, I do. I have photos of those on the that website cool. under radials. Wow. So, but yeah, like so, I'm also I like ex uh, so you can have a normal. I call them normal sketchbooks, <laughs> which are just as fun, and I enjoy them. But I'm also getting into the idea of sketchbooks that challenge you creatively so they sort of take you outside of the box of just mm. being a portrait or a landscape style mm. or a square style book there's like for example these ones like the idea is like oh maybe you work in series or you do single ones i haven't gotten a chance yeah, to finish nice filling thing. it in but maybe you do all fisheye view with these huh. right or you tell a sequential story throughout the whole thing like the yeah. idea is to just provide um opportunities to flex your creative muscles and have fun and not always just do the same same thing right, right. make it become boring wow yeah wow. yeah so let's uh let's shift gears and kind of go back to we talked you we talked about um urban sketching a little bit earlier in the mm -hmm. in the interview but um what uh what was the reason you got involved with urban sketching how did you get involved uh, maybe talk a little bit about about your experience with that, because I know it's something that you're you're very involved with, especially in the Edmonton community. 
Yeah. So the urban sketching grew out of, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out where I discovered it. And it has to be somebody I saw on Instagram doing something. But I do have a book by a woman named Claudia Nice. And um, or nice. I don't know how you say it. it's N-I-C-E is her last name. And that's the and she was I think she's a fine artist and she would go out and do plein air painting and drawing and stuff like that. And I think she kept a sketchbook as a way to sort of take down ideas and then work on them further in studio. And I just love this book. And I think that sort of started me getting interested in that style of of artwork. Um, so when I started getting into it, I would, you know, you go online and you find people on Instagram that are doing the same thing or not. And that's when I'm like, oh, there's this international urban sketchers group and they have chapters all over the world. And I'm like, well, maybe I should see if there's one here because they do all of their linking through Facebook. So I found out that we didn't have an official urban sketchers chapter, but there was an urban sketching group. So, and I think they were just a sketching group. Although, oddly enough, once I joined and recently I just found out that the two women who started this group, one of them went to one of the urban sketching symposiums in Chicago one year. They do these, um, I think it's every two years or four years. I can't remember um, because the pattern's all off now because of COVID. Oh, no, they do them every year. What am I talking? So they do this symposium every year and they pick a place in the world. The recent one was just in New Zealand. And they do like a week long sketching gathering of everybody from around the world can come and we'll sketch this place. And they set up different places to go and things to do. Right. Um, so one of them had gone to a symposium in Chicago one year and really loved it and came back and told her other friend about it. And they sort of started a sketching group here. And then probably shortly, I had maybe been involved with this group two, three years, and they applied to officially become a chapter because you have to meet certain qualifications to become. And one of the things that we sort of had to focus on is uh, only doing urban sketches now. Before, it was more open to anybody could submit anything online to share with the group. But now we have to really focus on just urban sketches since that's the, the whole point of the group. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been fun. Like it's a great way to meet different people in the community. Um, I've met other artists. I've met just people who like to draw. Um, I'm now one of the administrators. You have to have three administrators with the group that sort of help plan the different outings every month. Um, we upkeep a blog. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's sort of how I got into it and followed it. And then even not just through the urban sketchers, there's a, an, a local artist woman. I forget how I ran into her, but she had her own sketching group going. And there's another. So we actually have quite a few of them on the go, which is, is really great, right? Um, it's a wonderful way to to force yourself to get out and meet people and chat with people. And, yeah, you exchange supplies. And, and where did you get that? And, you know, it's it's fun to see different. There are a lot of architects that come out. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So what advice would you have for anyone who is planning to, you know, wants to get started in urban sketching? Is there is there kind of a barrier in entry doing that? Is it fairly easy to figure out? Are there certain supplies you need to be mindful of? No, I mean, uh, the only thing you have to be mindful of is not taking everything out with you. Right. You have to sort of limit what you're going to do. Like most people well, like some people come out with a whole setup of things, 
And other people just come out with a pen and a notebook and that's it, right? And then you, you sit out. Uh, probably if it's a sunny day, you want to make sure you have a hat. Some people like to bring a little chair, but a lot of people just you know, like sit on the curb or they'll find a bench or something else. And um, th there aren't a lot of barriers that way. I think um, the first thing would be just to check like Facebook and see if there's anybody in your area sketching has already started something. Otherwise, I say just grab a friend and say, let's go meet at this coffee shop and go draw for an hour while we have lattes. Hey, like it can be as simple as that, right? Um, it doesn't have to be anything complicated. I, when I would take the train downtown all the time, I have a little notebook in my pocket and I would do like two, three minute drawings where I would like secret sketch people on the platform, right? <laughs> and if they see me drawing them, then I would turn and I would start drawing someone else, right? <laughs> but they can be that simple, right? And the train shows up, you get on and away you go. Nice. So yeah. what opportunities has Urban Sketching brought to you as an artist? I know you were you had some of your work published in a book that was uh, released. I mean, gosh, it's got to be a few years ago now, at least. I never know with COVID. It's always I feel like my sense of time is we've lost I know. some years. I know every time I think something's two years, it's actually like three or four now. <laughs> I don't remember. It was I don't think the book says what year it is. So this is it. And oh, wow. this was the catalog that was created. I'll see if I can do a little flip through. One of the uh, women who's the main administrator for the group, she, we did, I think she got a grant from the Heritage Council. And basically what we did is we spent a year sketching heritage buildings throughout the city of Edmonton. Um, and it was fantastic. It was fun. She would do these little like preambles before each one to tell us about the history of this place. Some of the places we've sketched are no longer there because they've been torn down. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, it all culminated with her basically putting together a show catalog and we had an exhibition. We submitted our sketchbooks. She had some uh, scans taken and she sort of grouped them together and had plaques made. And I believe the whole thing toured libraries for a year after that too so we'd go from one library to the next library so you could go and see the the these panels that were created with information about different neighborhoods and different sites and stuff so um so it's pretty cool this is this is mine in there wow it's it's only a section or no it, she got the full one in there but i have the actual okay. funny enough i brought it i did it as a concertina for the whole and for people thing. who can't see what a concertina is it's basically like a accordion fold essentially yeah um That's so, so we, we were there to sketch this this building here in the middle which oddly enough who would have thought in in western canada but the first female meteorologist uh lived in this house and so it, it was her husband's job originally he died in the First World War, and so then she inherited the job for from Environment Canada. So every day she would go up, she would take these readings, she would send them in, and then when you were getting the weather report they, for Edmonton or Northern Alberta, those would be her readings. But she was, yeah, the first meteorologist in all of Canada, female meteorologist, oh, wow. I should say, in Canada, was uh, a woman who lived in this house in this little neighborhood in our nice. city. Right. That's so neat. So. Yeah. So, you know, um, so, uh, yeah, you meet all sorts of different people from artists to architects to just normal everyday folk. Right. Yeah. It's it's been interesting. Right. It's you sort of get to know your community in a different way. 
Awesome. Yeah. So these are my little, we haven't talked about these guys, but I do this thing called Sketch Along Sunday. Oh, wow. And they're these little prompted books. So you can sign up and download them yourself and print them onto whatever paper you want, or you can buy them from me. And so it's three months worth of prompts in here, and it's one a week. You can do them in any order. You know, That's why I don't have dates. But you can do them in any order you want. And the idea is to squeeze in a little like mini uh, creative time. So I've been telling people, you know, print them on whatever kind of paper you like or, you know, do them in whatever you want. Like I was suggesting to a woman the other day, she was a, a, a more of a fiber artist. And I'm like, well, why don't you like the way I built these? They sort of come apart. Why don't you do like a whole embroidery thing with them? Because you could probably get behind the pages that or do collage as the prompts. Like you don't have to sketch. Like the next, we're done this book, but my next round I'm going to carve little stamps. So I think I'm going to do all my prompts as stamps nice. for uh, for the next round. So like the idea is to like switch it up, do something. And because it's tiny, like Barb was saying before, it takes no time. Like this is a half an hour to an hour max oh, if you wow. really I think those are colored like, pencil too, aren't they your drawings are in there yeah oh wow this this last round i did all colored pencil That's stuff so it was fun it was very fun fascinating um i i have the feeling that we could probably talk to you for a few more hours and we wouldn't exhaust uh some of these topics <laughs> you're very you're you're like I'm chatty <laughs> no, no 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 why would I'm, that's I'm not a about... genetic thing with either of us, we always. No, I'm. Just, I'm just saying you. You are a uh, multi-creative kind of person. You, uh, there's a, a fancier term for that. And I can't remember what it is at the moment, but you just have your finger in so many different areas. That's, that's fascinating. Um, and I talk to a lot of people, who a lot of my students will tell me they're coming back to art after having done a career for. 20, 30 years, and they'll say, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm creative. I, I don't know if I can do art and things like that. And then they surprise themselves actually by, by mm -hmm. dipping, you know, just diving in and, and doing it. But mm -hmm. um, don't, don't you, you I, I think you would agree with this. It's kind of a creative uh, muscle. Like we have to, yeah. it atrophies if we don't exercise yep. it. Yeah. So totally. I, I think that's fascinating. I'm sure that people, watching this video or listening to the podcast will have some questions for you. There is a contact page over there on dragonflybookpress.com. Uh, so yeah. I'm sure people can reach out to you over there. Is there any place else though you want to send them? That'll get you to my email. I have an Instagram with the same handle, dragonflybookpress on Instagram. I don't do all the different social medias because I have so very little time. Yeah. So that one will usually get you there. And then, um, yeah, I, I have a contact page. Like I'm always open to people sending me emails, asking about whatever you want to. You can even just write to me and say, hi, I have a story. I don't yeah. want to awesome. that, right? Um, yeah, so that'll get you in touch with all of the ways to find me. I guess, Angie, just in closing, do you have any um, exciting projects or events planned that you want to share with everyone? Or, yeah, like what's 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 going on in your world? <laughs> um, A lot, actually. <laughs> so, a lot of stuff is happening. So I had mentioned before, it's sort of market season. So I've started prepping for all the local markets and stuff coming up. Um, I've had, I've been doing a, a little bit of, of press to try and promote myself. So, um, I have, uh, if you go to my website, there'll be a link 
to my blog and there's the little interview that I did with a local media company. I also have a little spot coming out in a magazine soon. It was a magazine all about handmade things. So it has uh, it has it's called Uppercase Magazine and they have a bunch of um, artistic disciplines within it. Um, so yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm in year two and I'm trying to grow the little company and uh, see where she takes me. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Any, any parting words of wisdom, any advice for anyone who is just starting out on a creative journey? Uh, you know, go. I would say like to your point earlier about, uh, people are like, I don't know if I'm creative. Everybody's creative. Yeah. Like everybody as a child drew something, whether they liked it or they didn't like it. Um, everybody's either sung a song or done whatever. So creative, like we're people, but somebody watches TV, somebody listens to music. You're all creative, right? Mm -hmm. It just, it just depends on what it is. Maybe you quilt. Maybe you cross stitch, maybe, you know, you do paint or maybe you play music. Everybody has a side to them that's creative. So I think uh, you don't have to show anybody what you're doing, but I think it, for your own mental health, it's important that you have a creative outlet so that you can make both sides of your brain happy. Right. Mm. Um, so, you know, whatever it is you like to do, if you're too like shy to show anybody, just do it for yourself and do it in private. But I think it's important to find some sort of creative outlet to 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 balance both sides of of, of what we all That's have. Awesome. Right. Yeah. You still get the the um, psychological and uh, mental health benefits, even if you yeah. don't show anyone the creation. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So cool. And I think we live in a so we live in a social media yeah. world, so we always feel like we have to show people yeah. what we're doing. But before that existed, people did stuff, and it, it wasn't that half the planet had to know about it, right? right? right, right. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. So yeah. it's still true. There's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. Uh, okay. Well, thank you so much for your time and yeah, thank uh, you. taking time out of your day to chat with us. That that is uh, this has been great. I appreciate that so much. Um. And uh, guys, we'll have everything linked up for you over there on the on the show notes page, uh, sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. If you've not left a rating or a review for the podcast, we only accept five stars, I'm sorry to say. Um, so <laughs> if you have a five-star rating, you're welcome to do that. If you'd like to write a review, you're welcome to do that as well. Just kidding. All kidding aside, uh, I would like to hear from you. So this is a wrap, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Until then, take care and stay sharp. Take care. Bye-bye.